we're talking about freedom today. Happy Fourth of July, and and um, I really wanted to make sure when we in our in our uh, Clay and I trading off and so forth on on on, on speaking. And I knew it was being off Sunday. I knew there'd be a bunch of bunch of most of our heathen friends are down on the shore, but um, but we're not. And uh, and. And I, and I really love, even though I love speaking on 4th of July, because it's 4th of July. And uh, this morning at 9 o'clock, I had the privilege that I often do, to uh, do the invocation at the Milburn uh, 4th of July festivities that kick, in, or, that kick off at night. And, uh, and here's how I started that off. And I'm going to start it off here with you, and then, uh, and then pray as well. Uh, 234 years ago, England was a monarchy. France was ruled by King Louis XVI. That didn't end well, by the way. A czar ruled Russia. A shogun was the emperor of Japan. At the same time, there was this tiny English colony that declared from that day forward it would be an independent, free country. Today, it is the only country that still is ruled by the same system of government. And that's the United States. Let's pray and thank God for the place where we live, the home of the brave and the land of the free. Lord God, we are very thankful, (laughs) and yet I know we take it for granted, but we're so thankful for the freedom that you have blessed us with, a freedom that much of the world only wonders about, and we're grateful you have blessed us beyond measure. We continue to pray for our country, our leaders, our community, our state. We continue to pray in a way that uh, you would work uh, through these people, these men and women, in ways that will um, certainly be beneficial to us all. We especially pray for our armed forces, the men and women um, all over this country and all over the world. Uh, pray for a special measure of grace upon them. We thank you for them and all who've come before them to to give us the ability and the rights and the freedoms that we are so um, accustomed to and are so grateful for. And Lord, especially pray as we think about freedom that we take it even a step further and not just think about the freedom that we have in our country, but the freedom that we have or at least can have in our own lives. Pray as we think about that, Lord, that you would give us Give us full measure of thought and uh, as we think through that and seek to have you work in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I learned something this week from my iPhone, actually. Um, and um, I was listening to my playlist just the other day. I was listening to my playlist. I had, you know, if you have an iPad on your iPad or I. I whatever, iPod, I guess it is, that you have on your iPhone. I have a playlist that's 4th of July music, and it's just really good. And it was, uh, a lot of it's, uh, you know, some, you know, 1812 Overture, a lot of Ray Charles. Yeah, listen to Ray Charles on the 4th of July, Sing America the Beautiful, with Alicia Keys. I mean, I tell you what, that is just so great. If you don't like Ray Charles, I don't like you, okay, just so you know. (laughs) Um, I just just love Ray Charles. So I'm listening to this stuff, and, you know, just, just... just pounding, just blaring. And something happened. I don't know what happened, but there's this thing that iPhones have, and I think iTunes, all iTunes have them. They have a genius playlist. I'm not sure how it works, but I guess the way I figure it in my mind is that there's some genius in some basement of some Apple or Goldman Sachs building or somewhere, and, and, and he's looking and seeing, oh, Rich is listening to this. Well, this will go with this on his playlist. Let's just move this around. 
I don't, I don't know how it works, but, but, but all of a sudden it went from that song, Ray Charles, Leash Keys, America the Beautiful, just great, and it goes into another song that I don't have on my playlist, but the genius thought it should be on my playlist. And it was, it was a song by um, um, Michael W. Smith. His song was called Freedom. And it's instrumental. Michael W. Smith, for those of you who don't know, is a Christian artist. And it's just an instrumental piano and orchestra and stuff. And, and so I, how did that do that? How did that slip? And then it, it occurred to me, the genius in, in the basement of the Apple building or wherever he is sort of put it all off. He, he didn't recognize that I was listening to songs about freedom in our country, not freedom in my heart and in my mind and, and, and freedom spiritually. And then I thought, well, hey, the genius maybe isn't so stupid after all because it is all related. And sometimes we want to separate all that. But freedom of any kind is important. God made us to have freedom. God and only God can give us freedom, not just freedom as a nation, but freedom from ourselves, freedom from our sinful, selfish, prideful junk that we all have. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about freedom really in three different areas. Freedom, freedom, freedom from work-based religion. A works-based religion would be the first thing. I want to talk about freedom from, from sinful enslavements. And I want to talk about freedom to something else, righteousness. So let me, let me, let me just tackle these, all three. Each, each, they're not very long. One of them, this first one, I got a, a few verses I want to show you, but it won't, it won't take that long. Freedom, freedom from work-based religion, all right? A works-based religion. I, I, got, you, you know, you, I talk about this a lot, I know, and some of you are, are looking at me and saying, yeah, you talk about this a lot. I do talk about this a lot because it's a big deal to me. And it's a big deal because I've seen it over the years in so many different ways where people are just, just literally bound down by a system, oftentimes a church or, or, or the principles of a church, not so much Jesus. And um, it gives me great... Uh, um, it causes great frustration to me. This is from Galatians chapter 5. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Their law was the law of Moses, uh, which, which was a whole, I mean, is that the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments come out of the law of Moses, but the, but the law of Moses is much more than that. Law of Moses, really, uh, one scholar, I didn't count him, one scholar says, or actually several scholars say, that the Law of Moses actually has about 613 commandments in it all together. So, and I, again, I'm not going to go back and count them, but um, uh, whether it's 613 or 612 or maybe just 500, that's a lot of stuff. These people thought they had to follow the law. By following the law, they thought, my life is therefore acceptable to God. And the Apostle Paul is writing them saying, come on, guys, that's not, that's not, what I get. That's not what's, what's going to happen here. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. You are counting, in verse 2, if you are counting on circumcision, that was one of the things about the law, to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of all 613 commandments if you're going to do one, if that's what's going to make you acceptable to God. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, that law or any law, let me just say that, okay, uh, then you've been cut off from Christ, you've fallen away from God's grace. Now listen, don't misunderstand, I'm not suggesting that any rules that you might have, any, any, any system of, of rules that you might have for your own life or, or a, a church covenant, sometimes people have church covenants and so forth, and, and I'm not saying that, that that is of no value, 
but it, it, it is of no value of making you acceptable to God. Keep reading here. I'm, I'm going to take you through several verses here uh, in, in, in Colossians chapter 2 and um, just <clears throat> go through them very quickly. And uh, not all of them, not, not the whole chapter, but just several verses from there. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in bodily form. It's a great verse that talks about the deity of Christ, that, that Jesus is God. And he says, don't let somebody else capture you, lead you captive in, in you know, something that sounds good. And, and there's, there's always people like that. And there's always philosophies like that. He said, you know, that's, don't do that. That was happening here in the first century when he wrote this. Verse 11, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. He's using a, a word that they would understand. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Um, they were looking for religious um, rituals to make them holy. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me, give, you, let me give you a, a, correla- a correlation to the circumcision. We, for instance, believe in baptism, and we're going to have a baptismal service coming up, I think, in September. I'm not sure of the date yet. Clay will be telling you about that very soon. Um, and we believe in that. We believe it's a, we believe it's a symbol of, of, of someone coming to Christ, and it's a, or, or in some cases having their faith uh, renewed in Christ. And um, it's, just a, it's always just a real special time. But if somebody is counting on baptism or taking communion, to make them more acceptable to God, that's the wrong purpose. It's to commemorate what he has done. It's to make us think and reflect. But it's not, it's not something that we do, and therefore I'm now, we, I'm now acceptable to God. No. It, the only way I become acceptable to God is by coming to him in faith and saying, here I am, Lord. I want to trust you. And that's what he's saying to these folks. Look at verse 13. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It's good stuff. Jesus did that for you and for me. That's why we trust him. Verse 16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ. Boy, that's pretty strong right there. I had a few people over the years that told me they had visions about this or about that. I'm like, you know, what'd you eat last night, you know? Um, I've had a few visions too, but none that I'm proud of. Um, Verse 20, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? 
Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong, watch this, because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Listen, don't read that. There's nothing wrong with devotion, pious self-denial, severe bodily... There's nothing wrong with those. He's not saying that. If you think, though, that those kinds of qualities are going to somehow cut away the sinful nature that we all have in us, you're sorely mistaken. That's not going to work. And uh, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. That's why I often say, you know, there's no formula. I wish there were a formula. I'd be the first one to take it. I'd need it more than anybody. So, freedom, freedom from a works-based religion. You know, and sometimes people, let me just talk, just, just us here today, right? All the heathens are down on the shore, so we can just talk. Um, I don't really believe that, but it's fun to say. Um, I struggle so many times with, with the church. I, I do. I, I, and you say, boy, that's a weird thing for a pastor. I believe in the church. I believe church happens in many different ways, many different places. And I will be one of those who will tell you I've had some, some great church times on a golf course as much as I have had in any building or on a mountain with people or in the middle of a cornfield. It doesn't have to be some scenic, beautiful area. So I, I struggle with the whole thing, and we talk, we've all talked at different times. We've, we've heard people say, well, I struggle with organized religion. I do too. I've done my best to keep it from being organized, but that doesn't, you know, whatever. Um, and I really do, and, and, and yet it, it, it's one of these things that's weird. And here I've been a pastor for over 30 years, but the thing that we can't lose, there's a lot of good things that can happen at church and, and where we go and so forth. But, but the real issue here is we, we just can't get away from the message of Christ that's so important for all of our lives, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And uh, that's not just church, okay? That's how we live. And th- that's the part that he's talking about here is this whole thing of, of I call it this work-based, works-based religion, I'm doing anything, that I, I go to church, I do this, and I, I'm therefore more acceptable to God. Eh, wrong answer. What makes me acceptable to God is coming to Christ in humility, with a contrite heart, saying, God, I'm broken, and I need you in my life, and I want to trust you. That's it. That's a simple prayer. And, and that's, that's it. And we, you know, we have freedom from all the, all the religious stuff. Another thing, freedom from sin, this is important, from sinful enslavements. This is pretty big. Uh, Romans chapter 6, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not or stop offering the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, whether that be your tongue and the words that you say, whether that be your hands, whether it be your mind. Don't offer, don't offer that to be used in a, in, a, in a bad manner. He's saying, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, excuse me, who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. 
For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but you're under grace. Listen, that's the issue here, is you don't, you don't have to. I don't know what your deal is. Now, whenever we talk about being, being addicted to sin, most of our minds automatically go to, well, drugs. Uh, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll. Rock and roll is not so bad. Um, and neither is sex in the right confines. Um, and neither are drugs. <laughs> If it's, if, it's prescri- if it's a prescription, you know, and you take it, take it uh, the right way. So what do you do with that one? I don't know. Anyway, we'll do another one. Um, now, whenever we, whenever we talk about sinful addictions, we automatically think about, well, you know, that he's talking about, you know, uh, cocaine or, or alcohol or, 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 you know, something worse or whatever that might be. And certainly it may include that. But listen, there are a lot of other things that we get addicted to. And you may not have a problem with alcohol or drugs. Uh, there are a lot of other things that we get addicted to. Gossip. I don't know if you've read much about the, in the Bible about gossip, but it's, pretty, it's right up there with a lot of the big sins. We don't think about it. I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a whole cottage. It's not even a cottage industry. There's a huge industry on, on gossip and gossip alone. Just go to the supermarket checkout counter. So some of those, some, some, you know, have you ever done that and you're, you're waiting there and you pick up one of those magazines, and I've done it a couple of times, and I, it's so weird because I always look around and see who might be looking. Think, think, he's thinking, you feel like you're picking up some kind of pornographic material or something. You're like, oh, God, who's watching here, you know? Um, there's a whole huge industry on gossip. Gossip, folks, is sinful. I mean, and, and that's something that's acceptable in church. A lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of church workers, pastors, and other people have been have been um, let go because of of sexual things that might happen, and and and, and argue, you know, arguably that in, depending on the situation, they should be. I don't know, I don't know of any pastor that's ever been fired because he was a gossip, and I know a lot of gossips. You know, isn't that weird how that works? Certain sins. Yeah, he drinks too much, or he's a womanizer. Not that neither one of not that either one of those are okay, but then. But gossip? How about worry? It's a sin too. That's a a sinful habit. Right here. I know about it. It's one I struggle with. I know. But Rich, you're a fun-loving guy. Yeah, I know. know. Still get hung up on worry sometimes. How about anger? Some people got real issues with anger, and they're having a hard time overcoming it. These are all addictions. What's the biggest one? The biggest one. Pride. Pride. And pride isn't all. I don't mean just arrogance. It may reflect itself in that way. But it, pride is just thinking about myself, just selfishness. It's about me. And what the Bible is teaching us is that through Christ, who wants us to have freedom, we can have freedom from these sinful enslavements. And, and you know what? You say, how do I do that? Because do I just trust Jesus and, and these things fall by the wayside? No, no, not really. Um, sometimes it takes a lot of pain. Sometimes it, you know, I, that's where I think you tell yourself, you, that, that's where I think the Bible can help is just reading the Bible. And uh, on a pretty regular basis, that can really be helpful. Or getting with, having some people around you that, that can help you with that. You know, listen, I've never been to one. Uh, but... AA, th- th- those guys, those people know something. They know something because they 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 have somebody they can call, and they 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 say I got this issue, 
and I don't know exactly what happens in the meetings and so forth. Um, um, I, I've had a lot, of fr- a lot of friends who are involved, and they, and they tell me and so forth. But, but I mean, he, what they do is, is really something that should be modeled by all of us because they're in recovery. Can I tell you a secret? I'm in recovery too. What are you in recovery for, Rich? Just being a selfish son of a gun. You know, just being selfish. So are you. Hopefully you're in recovery. Some of you haven't started recovery yet, but you haven't admitted it. So, so I, and I use AA as an illustration because they have some people around them to help them. Hey, I'm really struggling with this. And, and my understanding is they even have one or two people they can call if they're really struggling with a particular, on a particular night or a particular day. And, 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 and you know what? That, that's, something, that's something to model there. You need somebody around you that you can call and say, hey, I'm really struggling with anger. Somebody pulled out in front of me, and I did it again. I flipped him off, and I did this. And you say, well, that's a minor thing. You know what? Those little minor things keep adding up. I'm sitting, in, I'm sitting out in front of the bagel store this morning really early, eating a bagel and, and reading on my iPad. And um, my iPal. We, we never separate. We're always together. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm uh, speaking of addictions, right? Uh, uh, hopefully it's not quite that bad, but you never know. Uh, so I'm sitting there, and, and somebody pulls out. I mean, I mean, it's, I don't know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, six, six something, and and it's like there's no traffic. I mean, Morse Avenue. I mean, there's nobody there. It's that bagels are us right there in that on Morse Avenue. Um, and uh, so I'm just, and I see, I just hear this uh, two freaking cars on the road, and one guy just kind of pulls out a little bit in front of the other guy, and the other guy's going, you know, five miles per hour, and the guy just starts yelling, just yelling, laying on his horn. I'm like. You know, only in Jersey do we use horns as commentary. It, it's not, it, it's, it's to make a comment. You are an idiot, you know. And I was taught when you know, I learned how to drive, you use a horn to either keep somebody from hitting you or if you're not ready to hit something. Um, not here. It's, it's commentary and editorial comment. Just get addicted to that kind of stuff. And it might be a minor deal, but those minor things get bigger sometimes. So whether we're talking about anger or worry or 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 maybe watching certain things on the internet that I really shouldn't be, and it becomes an addiction. And it can be. And, and, and I used to, used to always kind of react negatively when I would hear certain things being referred to, referred to as an addiction. But you know what? I, I, a lot of things can be addictions that are not necessarily related in any way to chemicals. And uh, it's just called sinful enslave, enslavements, basically. So... Jesus is telling us, and the Bible's showing us, that he came to give us freedom from those sinful enslavements. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to do that. That's why Jesus came. You say, yeah, but Richard, you don't know my heritage. I don't care. But you don't know where I work and the kind of people I'm around. I don't care. I mean, I care about all those things, but that's not the excuse. The, the point is... Jesus came to give us an ability to rise up, to have a real, real freedom in our lives so that we don't have to get bogged down by self and selfishness and all the junk that's, that we have. That's why Jesus came. Last thing, freedom. Freedom certainly from a works-based religion, freedom from sinful enslavements that can just bog us down. And freedom to be righteous. Freedom to be righteous. I love this. Romans chapter 3. 
just a, just a couple of verses here, uh, a few verses. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. What was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now, but now, but now, you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. You, you now do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You're free, verse 22, free from the power of sin. Now, we may not act that way, and we may not be fully operational in that manner, but we can be. And that's the point here. That's what I want you to think about when you celebrate freedom. Yes, be grateful that we live in a free land of the free, the home of the brave. Be grateful for that. But God created us in such a way that he wants us to have freedom too. Freedom to, to, to be righteous. Freedom to do what's right by God and by others. And he gives us that ability as we seek, as we come to Christ and trust him in ways, on a daily basis. It starts usually with one time we just come to Christ and say, Lord, I'm, I need you. And then, and then, and then we, every day, it's, Lord, I need your grace today. I need your help over that, that issue that I know is going to pop up. Don't know when, don't know how, don't know what flavor it's going to be, but I need your grace when that comes that I don't fall back into the same old, same old. By God's grace, by God's power, I don't, and I won't. And we thank God for that, and we thank God for that freedom. Let me pray for us and just ask God to um, work in our lives in all of our ways. Like this. Like, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to stop and reflect and to think about what it means to really trust you. I pray, God, for each person here, there are some here who desperately need, for the first time, just to come to you and say, Lord, God, I'm, I am broken badly, and I need you, and I want to trust you. And I believe Jesus suffered and died and rose again to give me not just eternal life, but to give me, to give me life and give me freedom from all my, all my selfish junk that can dominate my life. For some of us, Lord, we've, we've, we've said that and we've meant that and we believe that and we just need the daily provision, the hourly provision of, of what it means to trust you to overcome some of these, maybe some things that are very destructive, maybe some things that are only annoying but have the potential of being destructive at some point. We thank you, Lord, that you're there and you give us that ability to overcome and to over, override that as well. We thank you for your grace and your love that comes through Christ. And we thank you for the day and the day that we celebrate the freedom of our country and and hopefully our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.